guys, don't put diesel in your car. <laughs> if, if your car doesn't take diesel. Oh, no, really? And with that, I uh, believe we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules show. I am your head of the programming, your moderator, Lev Polyakov. It is a great pleasure to be here with the great and powerful Saturnalia Sundown. Haven't seen him in a while. And brand new to the BTR experience, we got Spockter, the lizard man, in honor of who I have, a lizard man right over here. <laughs> Look at him. Isn't he nice? But but anyway, before we get started talking about internet culture, identities, avatars, all that good stuff, everybody who's watching this right now, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and hit the bell. The bell is extremely important. The bell, it's what keeps BTR growing, and I would really appreciate it. Anyway, without further ado, let me ask for all those who don't know anything about Spockter, Spockter, give us the skinny on who this lizard man is. What this? I mean, I know that you create a lot of content based around internet culture. You did a recent amazing video about a uh, virtual reality and the loneliness that people have been experiencing since the pandemic going into it. But just give us a little bit of an intro as far as why it is you do what you do and what you're really passionate about doing. And let's go from there. Then I'm going to turn okay. to uh, Saturnalia. Okay. Well, so... My my uh, I guess my my starting or my rise as a creator started when I was freaking uh was it 16? Really early on. I'm only 21. I've been doing this for 6 years and um uh I've grown a lot with my channel. I've come to find what I do and don't like making and my the main purpose behind starting the channel was really to kind of quench this uh this l- l- longing or loneliness that I had throughout my my preteens i was a very lonely person i was going through a very dark phase in my life so i was just like fuck it I, i'm gonna make a oh, sh- am i allowed to curse do i cur- can of I course curse? it's it's absolutely okay. fine don't worry about it all right yeah i said you know fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna make a youtube channel and for like maybe three years of that period of my life youtube is kind of what gave me my purpose and it kept me going day to day it gave me something to look forward to uh day in day out um and then, you know, as I started climbing out of that mental hole, um, I started to kind of blossom more and really learn how to be social and talk to people. And I slowly divulged away from being this Internet-centered individual to actually going out, uh, especially once I got into college, going out and meeting people. And um, that's kind of when a lot of my personality shifted, like, di- like drastically into more like pulling yourself away from the internet focusing more on like yourself and like the world around you and uh just kind of understanding like the bonds between humans that a lot of people don't get when they're on the internet (laughs) and the saturnalia that's kind of what i've been trying to focus on lately (laughs) with my content well, uh, Saturnalia, do you resonate with Spockter's story here? Do you come from a um, similar kind I, of background? Yeah, uh, kind of actually. I, I do resonate with um, your background. I watched the um, the some of the videos that you put out, and I thought that was um, pretty interesting, uh, and in a good way. Sorry, I phrased that a little. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I uh, as part of my, um, you know, sort of a paranoid. Uh, forays into uh, internet culture. I think that 
a lot can be revealed by checking out um, the way that these uh, economies of attention function in, uh, you know, social media um, and uh, VR as you put your video out that way. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I think that some of the stuff that you touched on is basically the preeminent issue of our time, um, like the really? merger of internet and real life. You said that you have been focusing more on real life mm -hmm. lately. I might contend that as time goes on, there's less and less of a difference between the two. Um, uh, absolutely, but yeah, VR, very interesting <laughs> frontier. VR is actually a perfect example of that, especially during COVID. So when uh, Saturnalia, you say that the internet and real life are not really being that different today, I'm curious if you could take a look at it. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. I was just recently reading the uh, Ted Kaczynski uh, conversation about over-socialization. <laughs> and uh, Spockter, do you know who Ted sure. Kaczynski is? That is a very familiar name. I'm going to need to have a memory jog on who that is, though. So uh, Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, was this guy who was experimented oh. on by uh, Harvard University back in the day with yes. their uh, MK Ultra program. And then he went uh, crazy although he'll say we're the crazy ones but anyway he went crazy built a log cabin and started sending out bombs to various technologists professors having something to do with technology with the whole point of being the raising of awareness of how dangerous our current situation is with us being so embedded within technology and he talked about how people are over socialized today and that also comes with the sense of uh, low self-esteem and all that like uh i know saturnalia could you speak a little bit about that again this may not be exactly your way of looking at the world but i'm sure this is something that does come up this is something that came up for me recently so uh, let me know if you have any thoughts on that sure of course um i mean i, I wouldn't go so far as to call myself you know a, a disciple of ted kaczynski but um <laughs> oh man i was right on the money right spectre oh my lord <laughs> But but um, certainly, uh, I think that his uh, his his critique of um, you know you know the enmeshing of te technological you know utility with social utility was like incredibly prescient. Um, uh, he, uh, I forget which um, years he exactly wrote. I believe it was in the mid '90s. Um, so uh, I mean, he in many ways I think predicted the. Um, like the the desperation with, with which a lot of people um, cling to their technology. Like you can see a lot of people who, you know, separating them from their technology would be like separating them from their whole lives. And mm -hmm. um, Ted Kaczynski obviously thought that was deeply unhealthy. Um, I kind of think that there's no real way to avoid that um, with the proliferation of technology that we've seen. Um so I, I don't know. What do you want to know about? He was part of MK Ultra, which is very interesting. That's uh, an interesting subject in and of itself. What I'd be more interested in, though, is this idea of over-socialization where we can contrast on one hand a lot of the people that Spockter has experiences with and has been in the world of for a long time, people who are primarily online, primarily using avatars, as well as being in VR chat like Spockter did that great video about, Versus people who are, I guess, they'll they'll be called normies for the sake of this conversation, people who are just <laughs> living their lives, going to their jobs, but at the same time are also kind of infected by this 
tendency to over-socialize, while on the other hand, the people who are online, a lot of the uh, problems that Spocker, you pointed out, was that they are under-socialized to a certain degree, where, like, even though they have a lot of these people online, they don't have as much physical human relationships, and that does take a slow and steady toll on them. So, Spocker, before you uh, expand on this a bit more, Saturnalia, I'd be curious about your thoughts on that uh, sure, difference sure, yeah. between those um, two. I, I mean, you, you, you're saying there's a difference between, you know, people who are, you know, for lack of a better word, extremely online and um, normies, right, who, who are less enmeshed in the system. I kind of think that doesn't exist. I think that in the current year, there's no such thing as a normie. I think that, look, everyone, everyone out on the street, at least in, you know, America and the Western world, you go out, like, find me a person who isn't on Instagram or Facebook or find me a person who's never watched a YouTube video. Like, it's impossible. So, um, well, that is kind I, of I my definitely... point too. I like, I, I understand what you're saying. That's my point in terms of the people who are the normies. They've also been yeah, succumbing yeah. to this kind of social media experience, but in a different way, I think. I'm not sure. Is there a different way? Like, I understand what you're saying, but I still I see a difference well, I, between I mean, like I, them I don't and think it's yeah. a different way. I think it, it's a matter of degrees. Um, certainly the people who are, you know, the deepest into it, people who, um, you know, live their whole lives in like an MMO or VR chat or people who are in, you know, 10,000 Discord servers are, you know, they experience it more harshly. Um, I, I would say that there are, um, you, you know, uh, hyper-socialization effects of that. I think that you can see a lot of people who become like pathologically enmeshed in online culture, people who, you know, more, more than, um, you know, getting a lot of stuff out of online, they start throwing away stuff in their real lives. People who um, ha have, um, you know, not, not just found something online, but have replaced stuff in their real life with online culture. So, yeah, I think that that definitely exists. <laughs> well, uh, Spocter, yeah, okay. you, you were talking about in that VR video with your uh, friend who was that blue metal lizard man. Kind Nari, of actually, yes. Yeah, kind of, kind of similar, by the way, to this guy, now that I think about it, also metal and blue. <laughs> but anyway, he was talking about how he lives with his step-parents, or, or he lives like in an... It's uh, foster care. Foster so care, yes. Yeah. So in They're his not actually his parents at all. They're just kind of like government-mandated guardians. Oh, man. Like, yeah, like in that situation, it really does it really does suck because it's hard to get any kind of socialization with people who are your kin, who you have some kind of a uh, ancestry history with of some sort, you know, have something mm -hmm. in common. So I could understand going to the VR scape from there. But from the experiences that you've had with a lot of people, do you see that as being normally the case as far as people just not having a good role model at all? Or do you see there being a disconnect with people even who have pretty like stable, white-bred American families? Um, normally? So actually, this is actually a good question. I can actually answer this one pretty solidly. A lot of the people who I find that cling to the internet on a more like, in a more like serious way are people who have had very unstable upbringings in their childhood life. So people who have not had good parental figures, people who haven't had solid friendships throughout like the entirety of their life, people who just have been like controlled or just given like a lemon basically by God or whatever, by wh whatever figure you believe in. They just, they tend to resort to the internet as a way to kind of 
be themselves in a world around them where it the world doesn't let them that's interesting i mean the being themselves part is kind of the core of this discussion that i wanted to get into and i figure we uh, might as well get into it right now so the question of identity we were talking about this in private as well at what point does a person become themselves as opposed to becoming the end result of all the sensory inputs they've received when they were little like for example uh there are people who like yourself included you're into dragons that must have come around from oh, lizards that must have come around <laughs> from a certain point in your uh childhood and then there are people who take a lot of this stuff and it does become their entire world as well as like i think the biggest example would be chris chan who uh we had a great stream with saturnalia talking about oh, no. chris chan and yeah so yes <laughs> and uh, elizabeth oh, janky man, that sounds fun i'll have to watch that <laughs> but, uh, but chris chan i think is the primary example of somebody whose tastes were created by the internet and the television set where he was constantly speaking in family guy lingo and various hackney terms that his uh, father must have said it was difficult to say how much of Christian was like the uh, fully formed individual Christian as much as just like a collection of different memes. So in a way, maybe that's why Christian is so popular, that he just became this carrying cell for all these different memes and references and things that people can grab onto. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know, like the uh, the thing that I'm sensing is that way more people have become to a certain extent like that. Not to as much as Chris Chan, obviously, but still the identity that people end up forming, at least the one that they present to, uh, to the world, ends up being a conglomeration of all of these different things. And where the over-socialization that Ted Kaczynski may come in here is to how much are so many of these people, uh, some of whom may be watching the show right now, uh, bound to all of these things. Like, I don't know if you guys have any uh, thoughts on that to get us started. Um, well, I, oh, sorry. Were you going to go? Oh, no, I was going to say that, like, when we, when we discussed in private last time, you mentioned how the internet um, summed it up kind of, kind of like a hive mind in a way. It was kind of something you relayed to me. And um, the question of, like, when is somebody really themselves or independent? I think the internet is very fantastic at bringing people together it's 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 just one of those things that just remotely has this innate ability to do very well because it just connects people through a wire and you can talk to almost anyone at your fingertips but it also um if people who are on it too much don't seem to get that break they they can't really seem to step back and just kind of like um live in their own mind for a bit and like just think about uh the room they're in or like what's going on around them and make their own thoughts versus f getting fed something that from some thread that they've you know subscribed to it's just all connected like a like a bunch of people intertwined together it's it's a great thing but it's also like a very uh strange thing <laughs> well uh yeah, saturnalia well, yeah what do you think yeah i was gonna say um exactly i mean you, you the, the whole idea of people being an agglomeration of their experiences is not new. I mean, you could go back all through history and people would be, you know, you could be a, a medieval peasant. You'd be an agglomeration of all the things that you had seen that had happened to you. But the thing that's important to understand about the Internet's effect on this is that it's this great intensifier. 
right? You can have information delivered to you so quickly and um, in, in such, uh, you know, niche respects. Like, you know, you could be a five-year-old and you get interested in something and you can have an endless stream of that, you know, ever, ever more extreme or even crazy versions of it delivered to you at will, right? So th this is a, you know, a cybernetic concept philosophically. It's a, a cybernetic concept that um, that, that uh, these information delivery mechanisms can, can form uh, feedback loops, right? So you, mm -hmm. you know, you have an input, that being that you're, you know, interested in any topic, say, like, you know, Chris Chan interested in Sonic the Hedgehog. And then, um, you, you know, because of his initial input on that interest, he gets fed back ever more strange, you know, um, ever more strange and intense factors from that. So, I mean, Chris Chan is, you know, I would say probably the, like the ultimate bad and like he, he's the, the most pathological version of this. And I don't think it's necessarily always bad. I think that um, there, there's a lot of people who have, you know, probably become like a good scientist or something. Or, so, you know, because you're saying it's kind of like accelerated because of the Internet, like. Exactly. Quickly. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's okay. also kind of like a snake or uh, since Spocter is here, a lizard uh, eating its own <laughs> tail, where if you think about it, Chris's final uh, uh, conquest of his love quest had to do with his mother, which is in a way a snake eating its own tail. It is Chris coming back to where he came from in a way. So in a way, oh, it's the ultimate poetic. It's yeah, it's like the kangaroo going into its own pouch, you know, it's just it all Poetic reverts. novel about Christian. <laughs> it's all, it, it was it foreshadowed all, from the beginning. Uh, exactly. It all reverts back. I'm going to wait until this alarm is over. It all reverts back into the black hole of nothingness. It, it's kind of like a microcosm of the entire process of the universe being created and then imploded back uh, into itself. Uh, yeah, but anyway, as far as most people, though, who are not like Chris Chan, there was a uh, video that you recently did, which I know that uh, you uh, rescinded that video, Spocter, the one about the uh, uh, the TikTok, like uh, the uh, trends that Associative are going on. identity disorder. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I mostly took that one down because of some, some conversations I had regarding... Um, it wasn't really the things that I said. It was more so the fact that I was showing off a bunch of kids on TikTok and just kind of mm. leaving them out in the open. I didn't, I thought about that for a long time and I was like, I'm not really proud of that. So I did end up taking the video down. But um, I, I still mean, do yeah. agree with a good portion of what I said in the video. Well, I'm uh, curious, for those who did not see the video, can you give us uh, a bit of a uh, uh, refresher on what exactly was the specific... Uh, point of the video what what you were trying to find out here and what conclusions the, you drew from it the the main point i was trying to make with the video and i think some people lost that through the translation of it because they were so heated by some of the things that i said that were not really that were kind of nuanced but the main point of it was to kind of like learn yourself instead of listening to a lot of what is put out there like um since it's like the the, the topic of mental health i wanted to encourage people to actually go to like a professional and figure out maybe like if you think you have a mental disorder like talk to like somebody who would probably know what you have and like self-diagnosis is, is a thing you know it happens people can look at stuff they'll figure out and they think oh i might have this i might have that but you know in the end they still can be wrong because the information they're using to get their own self-diagnosis could be from sources that are also mis you know 
misunderstood or like incorrect. And so you can go to a therapist and they, they know the field, they've studied the field for years and they can help you out and kind of like guide you and show you what you, what you might have or what you might not have. So you're, you're not trying to treat something that isn't really what you need, or you're not trying to use a treatment that doesn't treat the thing that you have. Well, as far as the uh, experiences that the kids have, I do agree that, you know, like for the sake of the privacy of the kids or just not putting them into a vulnerable corner, I think that is uh, fair to uh, not have that kind of exposure. But the theme itself, I think, is an extremely important one for those same kids and for other potential kids who may be in that situation. Because if you have people, like you said, who are not diagnosing this in a professional way, it's almost like they're on their own and they're also part of that uh, loop that Saturnalia was talking about where they're constantly getting reinforcement of whatever it is that they already kind of wanted to believe. As far as I understand, mm -hmm. that's the way the TikTok works, right? Like you just keep seeing everything that's related to what you're already believing, kind of the reason why we have such a big political divide too. But uh, God, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, like I don't know as far as just these mental conditions and again i don't want to single anybody out or say anything about any specific condition but i have noticed that there has been online in this uh, conversation about identities a uh, a, a uh, overindulgence in a way of expressing what it is about you that's wrong what it is about you that's faulty and finding other people who also have that being uh, have that being faulty inside of themselves as they perceive it, it feels like that is the wrong way to go about these things. It feels like it's just like all this, uh, to uh, recall the great uh, Joanna Quinn, it's all a depression quest, you know? Like, it's yeah. all just going downhill. Like uh, like what I said at the end of my video, I, I, I said, and this was one of the biggest things I said, and it's it's... Be wary about framing your mental disorder on a wall. You might not want to take it down. You know, it's 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 like you you want to be a healthy individual. Obviously, that's everyone's end goal. But if you're bonding with people because of the fact that you're broken, when are you going to decide to stand up and fix yourself? Why uh, do you guys think that is like Spocker? Why do you think that? instead of highlighting positive things people highlight the negatives um because i that this this roots to like a much more like individual based question like it would be it'd be easier to answer this if i were to talk to somebody again but um from a lot of the interviews that i did um a lot of these people just tend to do it because it's they they don't really know what else to do <laughs> It's uh, it gives them validation, especially when something probably maybe is wrong with them, but they don't know how to fix it. So they just talk to people who have that problem, that similar problem, kind of like therapy, but then they kind of dive too deep into it. Saturnalia. I know there was some sound happening in the background there, but Saturnalia, I know that one very interesting thing about you, and guys, look up Saturnalia Sundown's Twitter account as well. It is in the description of the video. Maybe, maybe you, I'll post again on it one day. <laughs> please do. Please do. Uh, but one very interesting thing that you like to do is going down the rabbit hole of certain, let's say, corporate as well as intelligence interests in the internet. 
you were talking sure. about this one person who was in charge of Encyclopedia Dramatica, linking them to an Intel agency, I believe, or the U.S. Air Force or yeah, something like yeah. that. Well, so, that's a girl, Vinyl, who uh, founded Encyclopedia Dramatica. She was a U.S. Department of Energy um, mm -hmm. intelligence officer with oh, uh, wow, Q clearance, wow. which is like pretty high. That's pretty high. And I, I just found that really, really interesting given the um, later, um, you know, sort of adaptation of the tactics uh, used on- The dog is know, barking. Uh, One moment. <laughs> That's, uh, that, on... that dog's been the program to bark whenever that name is uttered. The stream's going to shut Working down for the now. government. Exactly. But, but uh, yeah, 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 I basically just found it really interesting that- um, you know, these sort of online protest tactics like you saw on uh, Operation Channelogy back in 2007, which were coordinated by a lot of people who were heavily involved in ED, um, would go on to basically be co-opted by elements of the U.S. government for stuff like the, uh, the Arab Spring or, um, you know, a regime change in uh, uh, foreign nations, which I just found extremely interesting. I'm not saying there's any hard evidence of that, but Oh, yeah. Someone in chat said sunk cost, which is actually an interesting perspective as well. Mm. What uh, what exactly is it? It says over here, uh, and it was uh, the, yeah. The sunk cost fallacy is um, you've say uh, you've been working on a project for like a year, and then you realize like seventy percent into the project that the entire thing is just like shoot, it's not going to solve the problem that I need, but you just finish it anyway because you've sunk so much time into it. And you see what, that a lot in yeah. gambling and finance. Yeah, mm, that is true. And what what would you say is the closest thing that it relates to as far as the online uh, lives of uh, people and um, the identity that they form? Is it just um, like the amount when, of time they spend forming that yeah. identity? Yeah, like like when um like when you're trying to reach out and find new people, and you know you 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 relate to them and bond with them on one specific topic, um, and then same maybe that's like the one thing that you end up bonding with them with and meeting other people by. And then by that point, you've kind of sunk yourself into this group that all knows you for that one thing. And so you just kind of wing with it because I mean, you're getting friends that way. That is a tough uh, situation to be in. And especially if there are some other influences that are playing a role here, as far as the stuff Saturnalia was talking about, how easy is it to mold people in the future like saturnalia i don't know how much you want to go down this road but i find it to be a pretty interesting one as far as the amount of power that governments intelligence agencies how much power would they have to psyop an entire generation of zoomers into acting in a particular way versus how much of it is organic, at least as organic as the internet can possibly be? Oh, I, I mean, I think quite a bit. Um, I, I don't want to sound too paranoid. I'm not saying that, um, you know, you know, a TikTok, bipolar disorder, TikTok is some sort of government psyop. I, I don't <laughs> think it is. Um, but certainly, I mean, you can look at the algorithm that drives uh, interaction on TikTok, right? And it's, it's pretty well known that the algorithm that that TikTok, the company provides, is quite a bit different in America and the rest of the Western world than the one that they use in China, right? Um, I was just seeing, a, a, I think actually a Muslim cleric talking about that on Twitter last night. Um, so if, if you look at what TikTok promotes in China, it's all very like sort of nationalistic stuff. It's like promoting, you know, Chinese businesses, Chinese, um, you know, public works projects, um, 
you know, Chinese citizens doing stuff that the Chinese government wants them to do, which is, you know, their idea of good citizenship. And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily incredibly sinister about that. But when you look at what's, you know, promoted in America and they have, you know, the dials to change what it is, it's all, you know, dancing sort of frivolous stuff. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's a necessarily incredibly, you know, calculated or sinister move to degrade the Western world or something. But I, yeah, I think that if you have the the levers of power in what's promoted on social media, then yeah, you can change the way people think pretty easily. Yeah, probably a lot easier than changing the uh, desires of a cat because I hear the cat in the background meowing. It seems like the cats are way more in control than we human beings are at this point. They are only distracted by a ball of string or a nice box. They're not distracted by social media, so maybe the cats are going to be the ones that will rule the world after we all succumb to uh, the uh, social media addiction, you know, and maybe that's why the Egyptians were right. But anyway, there we go. Be, yeah. there we go. No, I, had but to, I had to pick her up. Now she's happy. Oh, that's nice. What's her name, by yeah. the way? This is Glory. Glory. Well, nice to meet you, Glory. I'm sure I'll see Glory. you when you get your webcam back on later on. But uh, as far as the tendencies of people to attribute certain malicious government actors to molding the way that people talk, I guess the more conspiracy-minded people would say that a lot of this is a ploy to weaken Western civilization, to make men more, you know, more effeminate, to make them, you know, less uh, ready for war, you know, less conscious of uh, preserving civilization. <laughs> so it's all just like, you know, they talk about all you know, stuff in the wall, you know, like what was that famous Alex Jones like? They're turning the frogs gay, you know, like with the uh, atrazine in the water. Atrazine and glyphosate in the water, yeah. Now, that is actually something that was the case. Although it did not turn the frogs gay, what it did is it made male frogs into female frogs. Is that it altered their endocrine profile, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so that is something that's already been proven. But again, that is not yeah. something that you would... Have you known about this, Spockter? Or is this the first time you heard, heard um, this? I know the meme. <laughs> I know like the, the, the clip, the clip that has been shared across the internet yeah but, uh, him jumping I around i didn't really know the, the science or the legitimacy of it yeah so there we go it is pretty legit but again just because you have something like that does not mean that it's maliciously intended because if you just have a lot of this chemical that's being made for uh what was it it was a fertilizer right it's a fertilizer and yeah i, I don't think it's you know done necessarily on purpose but i do think it's malicious in that basically for decades um, the USDA has known that using this stuff as fertilizer is very bad for living creatures' endocrine profiles, but they continued to allow it to be used through much of you know the crop crop growing land in America. But um, even but even then, the question is: Are they allowing it just because they're cheap fucks and they want to save money for them and their friends? Or, yes. <laughs> you know, like that. See, there we go. That's something that I would tell more of the conspiracy minded people to consider. Not everything has to be a plan by the New World Order to put everybody in the pods and have them eat the bugs. You know, like, although, by the way, Spockter being a lizard man, bug eating, not not the worst choice, right? <laughs> no, I don't eat bugs. I don't think I don't think I'm not one of those. <laughs> mm, OK, that's that's a different tier of lizards. Gotcha. That's a, but, yeah. Yeah. More like real lizard. <laughs> mm. But 
but still, as far as certain malicious attempts that people uh, talk about, like I said before, it's the uh, weakening of any kind of uh, understanding of there being something larger than yourself. That's been the credo of a lot of people who are reacting to a lot of things they're seeing today, calling the society that we're living in. I'm sure you guys have both heard the term clown world. I mean, now it's kind of hackneyed. But the idea is that people aren't being able to grab onto anything that has any substance in it where everything is just done for sense gratification and in a way like a lot mm -hmm. of those people who you're talking about who are left in the lurch without anybody to grab onto without any family member to look up to if they're just stuck with all of these different signals that are telling them this and that even if right now i could say well you know it's just uh making money it's not a matter of TikTok making it so that people are a bunch of zombies intentionally let's say occam's razor it's more like this is the kind of content that if in china they wouldn't enforce the uh you know a great inventor does some invention or student aces their math exam or whatever if they didn't enforce that kind of stuff being on the tiktok it would probably devolve into the lowest common denominator shit that Saturnalia was saying is on TikToks in America, right? Like, yeah, I don't yeah, see that. exactly. I mean, I, I think it's more of a matter of, you know, China, in this specific case, China specifically avoiding um, this, what they view as probably the bad consequences of their algorithm while they let it, you know, run wild here. Yeah. Mm. And we have a comment, by the way, from D. Asuero, who says, and by the way, guys, if you want to help the stream out, sneed those super chats. I'm going to really appreciate it as well as subscribe and click the bell and add a like and all that. Oh, and Sophia's here. Nice. So D. Asuero says, I'm going to come out and say this. I've used the internet as a kind of surrogate father or wise old man because while my father is physically here, there, he is mentally and logically absent. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that your father is physically unable or like mentally unable to take care of you or if it's just like one of those things where he's a boomer and you're just not really connecting with whatever oh. you know whatever he's talking about because that could have so many different meanings right it really depends on uh i don't know uh i'm not sure if you're familiar with Diaz Suero or not but uh and gino world is saying what's happening just signed in lol oh. we're no, breaking the conditioning that name yeah there you go Yes, exactly. That, knows, that's what Gino came from my channel. I actually know them. They're in my streams a lot. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, I'm trying to understand this uh, need that people have for the internet in the context of not just today and the next year, but in the context of like the next 10 or God, like the next 100 years. Because if the snake eating its own tail algorithm thing is going on, like Saturnalia was talking about, I'm going to have to dim the light over here. The sun is shining on me. It's giving me all this energy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> if that is going to happen within 100 years more so, this tendency for people to just seek out whatever it is that they wanted to seek out, if you're starting as like a toddler, because a lot of parents... Just give the iPads to the toddlers to make them shut up and the toddlers sit there watching the worst content in the history of the universe. And mm -hmm. if that's the next generation right now that's growing up, I'm not going to attribute any maliciousness you know, from any of the federal agencies or anything like that. I'm just going to say working as it's working right now, this algorithm 
how is that future going to look like for those people? How are those people even going to act like human beings if they're going to be in that kind of state from the very start? It's it's all about the parenting, man. Like you said, the parents that just give their children iPads or the parents that neglect or, you know, try to control. I think that's really what determines how well a child can be raised and how well they can develop their own identity. Um, and if their parents don't raise them well or they're raised in a bad spot, then that ends up, they end up divulging to the internet to escape. And then that's where they end up slipping. Sometimes, Could, sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes they climb out, but sometimes they also slip. It's a, it's like a 50, 50. Could we make an educated guess here? How many parents are like that? How many parents are the ones that don't really care? We'll just let the kids do whatever. So they would be the equivalent of the parents who back in the seventies, just let their kids run around the neighborhood with whatever kids they happen to befriend there. And the parents live their own life, you know, you know, li mm -hmm. live their own life, if you know what I mean, and the kids live theirs. So how much of, like, the entire civilized world has that going on versus, like, the caring, doting parents that keep the iPads away from the kids or at least severely limit the amount of screen time that the kids get? Because knowing that, I think, will help us determine what kind of world we're going to be living in and what we're going to have to prepare ourselves for in the years to come. I, 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 I mean, I, I think it's, it's just so hard to live, get to work constantly. Yeah. It is. Yeah, like I, 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 yeah. Go, go on. Go on. Well, I, I think that you're going to see this um, act, actually like break down. You're going to see like a bifurcation of culture actually on class lines. So if you look at um, who, who are the people giving um, you know their kids, raising their kids on the iPad, um, unfortunately, a lot of the times I think it's parents who are um, you know, like, like lower, lower middle class and, and stuff like that. People who are not, mm -hmm. you know, inordinately wealthy that they have the time to um, spend a lot of time with their kids. And if you look at um, a lot of like Silicon Valley tech CEOs and stuff, like I, I think um, Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg have both said this, they, they don't allow their kids to have smartphones. Like the, the people who have, you know, designed the system maybe understand it, you know, a lot better than people who are living in it, right? So I, I think you're going to see a lot of kids of the very wealthy who have been, you know, spe specifically trained and modeled to work without it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But do you think that those kids are going to be the equivalent of possible, I don't know, uh, jankies? Or maybe that's me being too extreme here. Dude, I jank. think they'll be like a Elizabeth Janky. Elizabeth Janky, exactly. Like um, some. I mean, I mean, I'm sure some of them will. <laughs> The reason why the reason why I'm bringing that up, though, is because on one hand, like I said before, you have people who get to be even more extremely online. On the other hand, you have people who present themselves as being professionals, while at the same time, like you said, they still succumb to being part of that world. But now you could say they're in this world kind of like the Archons, the controllers. Like the Archons. Exactly. Wow. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think that they're... Um... I mean, look, there, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I think that, you know, with the penetration of internet media, I think it's inevitable that you get some, you know, really, really terrible consequences from that stuff um, and have some Elizabeth Jenkins get created. Um, I, I think what's interesting is that just in the next few years, we're going to see people um, 
we're, we're going to see people who, um, oh, Jesus, I completely forgot what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, there we go. We're going to see people who um, have never been without the technology, right? We're going to see people who were raised literally from the time they were one years old um, on an iPad. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm 25 and I did not begin, you know, using a computer, you know, heavily until I was maybe six or seven, right? Um, and, yeah. and so I'm, I'm very interested to see what's going to look like when you give, you know, a literal infant an iPad from the time they're a baby. And I don't think anyone knows. I don't think that's already, that. that's already been know. happening. Like I remember I was at a barbecue one time and the daughter of a friend of a friend there, she was looking at the, uh, yeah, not the worst thing in the world. She was looking, I believe at how to train your dragon just on the, uh, YouTube phone. And I noticed that as soon as it came on, her face was just like, that like for those who don't see me right now it's just like her face was frozen solid and she was looking at this thing it's almost like all the spiritual energy and all the consciousness it just completely faded away and it was just like this observance of whatever was going on where at that point it feels like somebody like rudolf steiner which i think saturnalia you're familiar with spocked her i don't think no, you know I surely am. you are or you're not Oh, I am. Oh, I know. Yes, I know yes. Of course, you you better. But anyway, uh, Spockter, <laughs> Spockter, you, you don't know Rudolf Steiner, right? Oh God, I uh, names. Okay, Rudolf. so Rudolf Steiner, uh, no relation to the deer. <laughs> Rudolf Steiner, he was the founder of the Waldorf schools, which are these very prestigious schools that rich people bring their kids into. But he was a, a mystic. He was a, a allegedly a clairvoyant. He was somebody who wrote a lot about what the spiritual realm was like, as well as the evolutionary process that the human goes through. So he was the one who talked a lot about how the previous incarnations of human existence were more spiritual-based, where they were not as material. But anyway, Rudolf Steiner talked a lot about how it's important to give kids very simple things to play around with when they're young. So like mm -hmm. paper dolls or like... Kind of like in Toy Story 4. You remember that girl? She had that uh, Forky or Sporky or whatever his name was. Yes. So that would be something that Rudolf Steiner would approve of. Because it forces kids to use their own imagination and put in characteristics of life oh, into something yeah. that does not have as much life on its own. I used to, I used to play with utensils like <laughs> at, a, at, the, well, at the restaurant table sitting with my family. You know, I wasn't able to have a phone, so I just like you pretend the utensils are like, like battle warriors, and they'd fight each other. <laughs> oh man, that is. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's uh, something that I think a lot of kids today don't really get to experience, and I somewhat experienced it. Like I chose like this car toy. It was like this block, like kind of like a giant Lego block with wheels. And I turned that into like a bad guy where I just lifted the toy car up and the wheels became like hands. So I don't know. We could do that kind of stuff when we're kids and it's way easier to mm -hmm. accept it. And the concern here is that when kids are just given a lot of very detailed and explained stuff where everything's just uh, spoon fed to them, their imagination suffers. And when their imagination suffers, the innovators that are supposed to come in next, the ones that are supposed to create the great new invention, take us to the stars, 
their imagination is not going to be as well functioning as the imagination of those who had to train that shit from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, Saturnalia, since you're a lot more mystically oriented, do you see what I'm talking about here? Do you see this potential oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, downfall? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that, um, I mean, Rudolf Steiner, I'm kind of ambivalent about. I think there's a lot of weird stuff about him personally, but um, his, his, you know, educational thesis that, um, you, you know, it's, it's important to have kids, you know, do a lot of physical stuff too, right? Like they should be, you know, like uh, climbing trees or, you know, like, yeah, you know, having like, you know, very like low tech adventures. I think that that actually is pretty much objectively better for them than, uh, you know, sitting them down with, you know, an iPad game. Mm. So okay. I basically kids, I think that are, you know, um, and it doesn't have to be Steiner's Waldorf stuff, but, but kids who are, you know, uh, who get used to working on their own from a very early age as more and more of their cohort are raised on, you know, sort of objective iPad games. I think they're going to be basically be like Superman, <laughs> like, like the, uh, be, being able to truly think for yourself and being able to truly, you know, have agency is going to become mm. a rare skill that could be very valuable. Uh, it sounds to me when you describe a lot of uh, the, influence on people on the internet lev you, you talk a lot about like the content that's spoon-fed to them um it seems to me like a lot of your concern kind of arises from that sort of uh era of the internet um whereas as a i've i've never really been one to use the internet purely for the content that i, I watch i have always i've always been more of like a you know like tv media like you know netflix like tv show kind of guy i've always exclusively use the internet for socialization and purely socialization mm. um so i've never really had that experience of getting that content spoon fed to me i use the internet mostly for making interactions with people and i find that there's a lot of beauty that the internet has when it comes to that um it allows you to connect with people you otherwise wouldn't meet and build these great friendships um that's just my experience with it um it's been a mostly healthy experience with me there's been a few obvious you know outliers but then again shit happens offline all the time anyway too but i find the internet is a very powerful tool if it's used properly you know um it, it does have a place where we are but at the same rate i i feel like it needs to be uh, it needs to be injected into someone's life at the right time at the right state of their life and not used I... as something where it shouldn't be well i couldn't agree more i mean that's kind of the point of btr where people are able to meet each other that otherwise would never meet each other in the first place and uh, talk. The thing that I would add to that, though, is that when a lot of especially younger people are talking, as far as who the role models are, you could get really lucky and have somebody, I don't know, like yourself or Saturnalia or whatever, you know, like you could have somebody who has already a wealth of information and experience that they could pass on or you could have somebody that's, I don't know, like some kind of, you know, like a groomer or whatever, like some person who's going to take advantage of you. And especially on things like Discord, you're not going to know that much of a difference between Definitely. who has, yeah, like who has malicious intent and who doesn't. What has been your experience in that part of the internet basically seeing like how certain people are able to wield power over others and when i mentioned before elizabeth janky and the whole archon thing just so you understand the context here the archons 
are these entities in this uh, sect of Christianity. And it doesn't have to be just Christianity, but generally it's thought of as being in Christianity called Gnosticism. Gnosticism means uh, to know. Like the idea is that you gain knowledge and you get salvation through knowledge. But anyway, the Archons in the context of Gnosticism are these entities that have control over the Earth. And uh, I don't know, Saturnalia, if there's anything else to add about like what the Archons are other than that sure i, I mean the, the i mean they're described in you know nag Hammadi and stuff like that basically they're you know uh spiritual gatekeepers or like spiritual jailers in that the the most intelligent way that i've heard it expressed is that they set the boundaries they set the um you know basically like the bounding forces of reality like why do we have color why do we have temperature why do we have three-dimensional space and not a hundred-dimensional mm. space right <laughs> so basically they're the the limiting force that um basically reality is constructed within that they're the the outside of physics and i would say a similar thing in the context of something like discord servers or any kind of youtube fandom where you would have people that other people gather around and they become like the guru for all of these other people. Mm -hmm. They follow them. And so those people do set certain limits as far as what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. They end up causing their followers to what's been recently happening, uh, you know, raiding other YouTube channels and downvoting and just doing all kinds of malicious stuff just for the sake of appeasing the master <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. that is another thing that i've noticed which is a very negative part of this whole experience uh but what has been your experience with those kind of people and does it at a certain point become a cult that it's very hard to grab people out of once they're so invested in a particular online personality um for me personally it was always sort of a like learning experience i've never really dove in deep into a point where i couldn't crawl back out it was always coming out and reflecting and then realizing what i shouldn't have done last time but with a lot of the people i've interviewed mostly young kids who like similarly to that that birdie video i made with dice mm -hmm. um they get kind of stuck in that 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 loop in that situation where there's this bad influence on them and they don't really realize it but um over, i mean overall it's it, it's it's more of a result of once again like where they came from because if they if they did grow up in a more fostering environment then they wouldn't they would realize that what they were indulging in was not good for them and because they didn't know that or have no sense of like stability they there would be no understanding to the idea that what that person is isn't good <clears throat> So it's the the internet plays a big hand in it, but I, I it like like we said, I think it it's more so just an accelerant than anything. I think humans overall are still pretty linear. It's just on the internet they're a lot more aggressive, and they have the ability to act faster, more rapidly, and that doesn't allow people to think quick enough. Hmm. That is true. It is kind of accelerating there. But as far as the positive aspects, which I agree, like I said before, with break the rules that I'm trying to hear, what you're trying to do on your own end, what are some of the conversations that end up taking place as far as uh, what ends up bringing you together with a, lot of, uh, with a lot of people? Like what are certain recurring things that uh, reinforce the relationship that you have with people? 
um, like my personal life or my content creation interviews? Mm, that's a good um, question. I mean, I would say whatever you consider to be the thing that makes this whole experience worthwhile, just this whole experience of being online and talking to people online, like the thing that you keep coming back for. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, currently, as of right now, the thing I keep coming back for is the, the audience. Um, a lot of the time, I, my personal friends can attest to it. I talk very negatively about how I feel towards social media. I've always viewed it as sort of like a um, a platform for myself. It's never really been something for me to um, use excessively, and I don't use it excessively. I use it to sometimes consume media, um, and that's about it. Uh, for the most part, especially recently, I, I haven't really used it to find new friends, although I have found a few every now and again through like VR, because I, I still can't put VR down. That's too much fun. Um, but for the most part, social media for me has been more of just something that I use for a platform and something to get my voice out there. And I, I'm very comfortable with my personal life now to the point where I feel like if I had no more internet, I think I would be okay. <laughs> now, when it comes to no more internet or having some kind of a uh, another outlet for expressing yourself saturnalia i keep mentioning that you're uh, into mysticism you're into mysticism the reason why i keep <laughs> mentioning it over and over again is because i don't just want it to be this thing that's hanging in the background that people just say oh saturnalia he's this mystic guy and like well what, what does that mean i don't know but you know he's got this cool avatar with uh, alistair crowley and maybe stuff. i'll figure out what it means one day exactly no but as far as what exactly what exactly the point of it is i think that there may be certain things that people on the internet can also start discovering for example because there's such a thing as uh lib gen and you know things of that nature it's so easy oh to you can see my pdf collection oh i'm sure it's very <laughs> impressive but it's so easy to find the best books that are ever written as well as get recommendations for the best books that were ever written or certain books that people didn't really consider reading until fairly recently you know some like old crusty texts that were buried by time and all of a sudden were rediscovered thanks to you know some uh, very ingenious uh, uh, online people with too much time on their hands you know like something like that has to lead to something and this guy who's kind of controversial but i want to get him on eventually uh, jason reza Durjani, he's this uh, philosopher guy who says that humanity is never uh being like he does not consider there to be any true human nature as it were like people throw always around the becoming. word always becoming exactly i've not and actually read Durjani. i should have but uh, by that, always becoming, I think that that's a very encouraging thing for a lot of the people who are in your circles, Pachter, for a lot of the people who are watching this right now. Because what it means is that this tendency for people to, let's say people who even like are in the furry community or in the scaly community or mm -hmm. whatever, people who yearn for some kind of a transcendence of what uh, is currently the situation that they're in right now, it may take the form of maybe putting on a fursuit right now, but for some, it may change into being able to alter one's environment. 
And where mysticism comes in here for all the the Christians are probably the Christians probably already left, but the Christians are probably seething right now, <laughs> thinking, "Lev, why are you a Satanist? Repent right now!" And I am not a Satanist, not in the traditional. Uh, anyway, the point <laughs> point is is that <laughs> I think there is a way to be able to utilize certain things that were passed down through a long time ago in such a way as to yield certain results, which is what I think the basis of magic is. But people get a little bit turned off or a little bit weirded out, or a little bit like, what is this hippie woo crap that Lev is talking about again? Like for the people who don't want me to repent, they're the ones who just end up tuning out because what the hell is he talking about? Which is why Saturnalia, it is up to you right now to tie these loose ends together, buddy. Tell me sure, how sure, exactly yeah. the use of magic mysticism whatever you want to call it what exactly can be done here how can people utilize it in order to make the most out of this Giorgiani idea of humanity being this agent of becoming um well I, again I'm, i have not actually read Giorgiani, but um i've talked about some friends in real life with this basically um if you track the history of you know occultism or you know mystic mystic thought it it moves in waves and you can see um you know there was a very big one in the 1920s in america and in weimar germany um there was a very big resurgence of you know occultism in the 1960s obviously with the psychedelic revolution and you know the hippies and then there was another recurrent wave of it in the 1980s and 90s in britain with uh, a lot of the chaos magicians and stuff and I think that we are seeing another one of those now. And those track very closely, in my opinion, with economic downturns or other sorts of um, large-scale chaos going on in the world. And um, I mean, I mean, I think it's it's basically unavoidable. Um, but basically, I, I think things are going to get very, very weird um, as larger numbers, you know, per capita than I think ever before get exposed to what are essentially spiritual technologies of, you know, creating spiritual reality. technologies. Yeah, basically, there's going to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and there already are. And uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I don't think it's really possible. Are you are you, are you saying that. that it's like a technological induced mysticism thing? Uh, well, well, yeah, yeah, it is now, but I mean, more like um, in the sense that. Uh, you know, basically like the core thesis of a lot of magic and mysticism is that reality is highly plastic, that what what, oh, is, is. what exists in reality. I never told you what kind of engineer I am. Ooh. <laughs> Are you a plastic engineer? <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm a computational. Um, I work I work with a lot of the newer um, information technologies. So I do work a lot with VR and artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, and one of the most fascinating studies I've done was in regards to VR immersion and how humans perceive reality when placed into a virtual environment. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it changes. I mean, ha having your perception of reality changed through technology, having your perception specifically changed, I believe, can change, you know, what you would describe as objective reality. I think that a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, the... Uh, look um like reality is mutable um and i think that human perception and human um action even if it's not necessarily directly causally linked can change more things than you would expect in, in uh mm. what what becomes in reality 
that's that's interesting okay yeah that that's very fascinating i mean this is something that has been proven to a certain degree or is it just based on i don't know just if you have enough hearsay if you have enough people talking about it that at a certain point you say well all right i guess it's right because it's so easy to say well i don't see this in real life I'm not seeing anybody levitating or anybody doing something that I would consider to be quote unquote magical. Why the hell should I believe you? Uh, mm. That's the thing. So um, if, if you read, um, I don't actually like Robert Anton Wilson that much, but if you read this guy, Robert Anton Wilson, he poses that question and he did this back in the seventies is, you know, okay, if human perception can change reality so drastically, why can't people fly? Why can't you, you know, like, like levitate off the ground at will. And he does not answer that question. He leaves it kind of mysterious, but basically the way I see it is reality is co-authored by humans. The human mind mm -hmm. co-authors reality with each other. And um, the ways that you don't have full control, right? The, but you can affect things in strange ways. I think you can alter probability. I think that you, you can't do anything physically impossible, but you can, if you can change the way that people see things, if you can change the way that, you know, uh, people, if you change what people believe, such as like with propaganda or something, you really can make strange outcomes in the world. But Quantum like, mechanics yeah. raised a lot of questions about reality as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you see that in stuff like, um, a lot of uh, like new age, new age guys believe in uh, quantum mysticism, which I'm actually not that yeah. big of a fan of. But um, <laughs> yeah, definitely there's there's people who um, who assert that there's a scientific basis to perceptual power that it's acting in some sort of physical way. Well, it's interesting that Spockter, you are in the world of virtual reality. The thing that I find the most fascinating, just because I'm a very visual person. When I meditate, I tend to see a lot of things. I had a really weird dream yesterday where there was like this whole, like I saw this uh, Road to Saturnalia, I saw this Vietnam era flashback, and uh, there was, you know, just like people getting completely obliterated with this gas, just like melting people's faces off. And then the next uh, part of the dream, I was eating my favorite dessert. And I was driving uh, this car that I actually test drove today. Uh, so that was a fun experience. And I saw this girl who I haven't seen. Whoa, what happened? Everybody's gone. Uh oh. Hold on. We're going to uh, bring Saturnalia back. I don't know what happened with Saturnalia. I know the screen went a little bit screwy right now. <laughs> Let me fix that right up. And by the way, while I'm fixing that up, if you guys want to support BTR, support bringing all of these different... Oh, here we go. Saturnalia is back on. Everything Return. is fine. But let me just finish what I was saying uh, while I have the floor. If you guys want to support BTR, bringing all these different people together who otherwise would never have a chance to speak to each other, patreon.com slash break the rules is where you go become a patron today i would definitely really appreciate it it's going to help the channel grow there's going to be a lot of really awesome streams ahead and i really thank you for that and you could also get a variety of wonderful prizes so for example if you become a 20 dollar patron you're going to get these very beautiful magnets for the 20 tier reward my father alexander polyakov he makes these magnets maple mahogany ashwood cherry very beautiful stuff. And if you guys are a fan of Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666, if you become a $50, 50, 
$50 patron, you're going to get a beautiful Styx Hexen Hammer Dragon Magnet. Uh, no, not a magnet. It's like a uh, wooden sculpture. And for $20, if you're a fan of Styx, let me know as well. And my dad's going to make you like a smaller version of this thing as well. And if you become a $50 patron and you are not a fan of sticks or are kind of neutral with him and don't want a dragon, my dad's going to make you a custom magnet, whatever design you want. He is going to do it. Guarantee. I mean, within within limits. He's not going to do like porn or anything like that. Or oh, let's go. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe for a certain amount of money, like maybe some <laughs> lizard on lizard action. But I'm not gonna. That's that's <laughs> up to him. I'm not gonna say anything. Or maybe like an inflated lizard. Like anyway. Uh, oh my. F oh my lord. Yeah. By the way, that would be a great. Uh, that that would be a great. Uh, sales pitch to create uh, balls that people can bounce around in the form of like inflated lizards or like inflated furries just like sell balls that you could just you know play like a game of catch with or whatever or like uh, volleyball or you know any other kind of ball game you know you could have like an inflated <laughs> mouse as a golf ball for the uh, for the country club, you know, I'm sure that the furries that make it really good in the finance world, you know, they join the country club. Next thing you know, they're using golf balls that are painted like inflated mice, and that's what they're throwing around, as well as I, the. I know, uh... I know a few handy people that can make stuff like that. That's for sure. Yeah, I some, no. I got some friends who craft arts like that for for conventions. Yeah, I don't wanna. I don't wanna underestimate the power of uh, uh, the Amen. power. If we can buy a ten thousand dollar fursuit, we can buy almost anything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But anyway, back to what we were talking about, Saturnalia. I know you uh, cut out here, but uh, we were talking about mysticism. We were talking about the idea of uh, magic. What I wanted to ask you in relation to this is, I know what you're saying about propaganda and AI and all that, but since I was talking about the visual stuff, what's been the most intriguing for me personally? with this uh, you know the dream that i was having with the melting people and seeing this by the way uh I, oh i'm not going to talk about it on there i'll tell you later but good things about that certain thing that i told you about earlier anyway oh <laughs> oh that's right that's right anyway uh with that uh, with that being said i've been very fascinated by the idea of there being another kind of internet of there being like an inner internet of there being what people refer to a, as a the newosphere, perhaps. Yeah, newosphere, or people can newosphere. refer to it as as uh, the astral plane. The idea being that if you can, let's say, lucid dream, where you feel like when you're dreaming, you're experiencing reality, just like the reality that I'm experiencing right now, no different. Imagine mm -hmm. if, on top of that, you can add the ability to have a conversation with people like we're having right now or like people have in VR chat, but those were mm -hmm. actually real people. Like they were not figments of your imagination. These would be real people to such an extent that you would be able to, as one person who was uh, formerly in the BTR Discord, which I'm going to post as well for all the people who like going on Discord, but uh, one of the people there described his scenario that he experienced within the astral realm where he was seen as a uh, as a moth by this guy who was seen by him as a tree stump man you know like a little tree stump dude walking around stumping around if you will and i find that to be extremely fascinating because if he's t if he's not bsing if that's the truth 
he hmm. says that they exchanged email addresses and when he came out of that state like in you know real life he was able to email this guy he remembered the email address and the guy answered back so what like if he's not bsing about that if that is actually what happened think of what that tells us about reality think of what that tells us about existence because if we're able to go into these realms where we meet people just like we meet them in vr chat but it's a very flexible realm that has so much to do with what our imagination is and the thought forms that we generate while at the same time crossing with other people's fantasies as well i mean that's that might as well be heaven that might as well be this realm that people go to when they die that a lot of different religions uh, write about like that no. right like i don't know it's, it's an... it sounds super far-fetched but then again we're the, with how thing how how much of a grasp on science and reality humans have now honestly things that we're doing now were seen as impossible that many years ago so it's it, it's not the most outrageous thing <laughs> it's kind of like training wheels or rather the internet is kind of like training wheels for that kind of experience i feel because if you were just having that experience without anything to uh base it on then you would just be floating in space like you could create like some triangles or some weird shapes like you'd probably do like what the machine elves do in the dmt realm you know you just create a lot of this beautiful realm. <laughs> yeah exactly have you done dmt um uh i've done others but no not that one <laughs> saturnalia have you leather... done dmt yes yes, yes. Uh, okay but let... have you ever heard of um harmine harmine i have heard no. of it so... uh, can you tell me a little more so it's um you know it's a it's a chemical that is present in ayahuasca and th this is maybe fake science i've never seen any studies done on it like post 1970s but allegedly, um, there was a team of scientists, I believe, associated with um, the uh, wow. uh, maybe R. Gordon Wasson. I, I, I really forget. But they claimed that this chemical that was, is present in the drug allowed them to communicate at a distance, that they would have shared hallucinations, like a shared dream, and that they could communicate within it. So um, whether that's actually true or not, I have no idea. I don't think it's ever been... Um, you know, really tested uh, by someone who isn't, ayahuasca you know, an is interesting is party. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, ayahuasca yeah. is basically DMT, but like long form DMT, which doesn't come all at once. And the experience oh, okay. that people report when in that state is being realer than reality itself. And a lot of the experiences of people who, I guess you could say, come back after having a vision of dying is that dying is a lot like taking off a very heavy sock or a very heavy shoe or like you've been walking in your shoes all day that's kind of like life you know you've just been walking in these shoes and then when you finally take that shoe off when you go off into the other world you're you know you don't have all of this gravity i mean literal you know we have literal gravity that's pushing down on us and think of how much it takes for the human body to keep resisting that on a daily basis as well as, you know, we get back pain, we get all sorts of weird stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a constant struggle to survive, you know, which is what nature's all about. And in a way, I think that that makes us who we are. It makes us struggle. It makes us appreciate what we have, as opposed to if we're just like in this fairyland all the time, 
then I'm not sure if... Well, that's kind of why I bring up the internet too here, because it seems like if we are putting ourselves in communities where even if we have good interactions with people, if it becomes too much of an enclosed circle, which is what BTR is trying to kind of break, if it becomes too much of an enclosed circle where everybody's too comfortable with each other, it is kind Mm -hmm. of like being the DMT elves that are in their DMT world and they're not really being bothered by anybody. They could just spend all their time creating these uh, psychedelic Fabergé eggs or whatever. And the point I'm getting to is... (laughs) If nobody's invading your space, if there's no threat, if there's nothing you need to do to uh, to address some sense of impending doom, which for human beings there's has no always been... Yeah, there's no progression. And for human beings, it's always been death. It's always been time. Time is the great destroyer. Time is the great equalizer. And we are constantly fighting against time. If there was no time, then there would be no reason to do anything. Mm-hmm. Then, you, then there's no purpose. Exactly. So I find that there's yeah. a direct correlation between people who have purpose and people who have depression. Like, inverse correlation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like... like uh, uh, yeah. Purpose and depression. If you don't have a purpose, you tend to become depressed. So for people, oh, yeah, exactly. for example... That's, and that's again, what I meant. I, I worded that terribly. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, we, I definitely get what you're talking about. I think everybody else does as well. But it's like that example that people bring up of uh, going to African tribes and talking to them about things like depression. From what I understand, I could be wrong, but from what I understand, a lot of the people who are living like in these more hunter-gatherer lifestyles for all the problems they have, there's no time to be depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you are constantly fighting against time, fighting against death in the literal sense of like having to fight a lion or whatever, you know? Yeah, it, it might be stressful, but it's certainly not like depressing. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. There's always, you know, there's always a purpose. But would you say that something like that could be the great panacea to this entire world of people who, and I don't want to minimize their problems either. Like I'm not saying, oh, like, like you just, you know, put yourself up by your own bootstraps. I totally understand that like people are in bad situations. But the question is, if the pressure was to come down on them more, and I know that's kind of bad of me to say, but if that were to happen, if there were to be more of a do or die type of situation, would you say a lot of them would just kind of snap out of whatever mindset they happen to be in without the use of any drugs? I I have found that a lot of people who I, I've, I've actually had a personal friend go through this. Um, they, um, it was, uh, they, it was in, throughout high school. Uh, they were living with their father and then, um, you know, they were, they, they were living their day to day. They were, they had like terrible, you know, mental problems, terrible, you know, depression and all that. And then they were, they were the daughter of a single father. And their mother like ran off. Don't know. Don't know her that well. No real relationship. And then when she was 18, well, in the middle of high school, her father had a heart attack and passed away. And she had to basically pull herself up from her bootstraps and like take care of herself and like all of her father's valuables and like try to like just put her life together. She, the only reason she passed school was because the entire like administration knew of her situation and they just gave her like a passing grade and let her graduate. And like her, like she had to like basically snap herself out of it and just kind of like pull some responsibility. And then nowadays she seems a lot happier. (laughs) I've known her for like eight years and then she seems a lot better now. 
I mean, in a way, it's kind of a dangerous thought, but if that is the case, if that is like, I'm not saying for everybody, if, but if for most people, it is a basic case that if you deprive people of creature comforts, then so many of these things end up going away. And I don't know, that could be the other path that people go on as far as the economy, because either the economy is going to be good enough for people to live in the kind of environment they're living right now, or if things it get so... Be. It won't be. Okay, so what you're saying is then things will be dire at a certain point where even if people have Candy Crush on their phone, they're literally not going to have time to play Candy Crush or uh, waste any time anymore. They're going to have to use their survival instincts. And uh, at that point, they end up kind of freeing themselves from the technological trap that Ted Kaczynski was so concerned about. I mean, kind no of. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it necessarily has to be, you know, like frightening or life threatening or something. But the the Not, you know, yeah, modern definitely. life. And that was a very extreme okay. example that I described. It was the most glaring one. Hmm. But yeah, just yeah. but yeah. yeah, like modern life is like very poor at delivering, um, you know, like a, a very di like a discreet purpose for a lot of people. Yeah, um, definitely. Particularly in the last like 10 or 20 years um like what you you have very you know maybe you have like little hope of like you know starting a family or little hope of um you know doing something to uh like really affect people right like you're just going to work you're just um, going to school you might not really care about what you're doing and there's very little um guiding you or really bounding you towards stuff that is day-to-day -day necessary so I, I think that if that were to change um, not even in some sort of really frightening way. It, it could be good, yeah. I'd be interested, by the way, in hearing from some of the comments here, and I really appreciate all the people here uh, talking in the chat. Shout out to Diasuro. Shout out to the end is the beginning is the end. Shout out to the great uh, Sophia Speechurlite, a.k.a. Hotep Sophia, great friend of the show, as always, and Gino Whirl. So I want to hear from you guys as far as where you think life is going to be taking you and the relationships that you're forming, do you feel like you're able to repeat the same patterns that your ancestors have repeated as far as being able to survive? Or are you basically just in this uh, concoction that a lot of people find themselves to be in where you've got your social circle online, you've got some people that you know from real life, but you're kind of... You're, you're kind of stuck in that snake eating its own tail thing at the moment. And do you want to change that? So I definitely want to open it up to the audience as well. Let me know what you guys think in the chat. And uh, we're going to be concluding this uh, as well pretty soon. Uh, we have a question or a comment from Diasuno here who says, Oh, wow, an ad I did not know that from where the end. Also might have seen you lurk on Max Derrett's channel, whom Lev has collabed with. That is true. I really need to stop overthinking anyway, but I can't help it. Well, and I guess that is the thing that Saturnalia said, that uh, if we have more things that we have to deal with as far as solving whatever uh, dire straits we happen to be in, we're not going to have time to overthink. We're just going to have time to think about whatever it is that's at hand. So I don't know. The other, the other case would be uh, the whole 
living in the pod, eating the bugs type of existence where everybody's just, uh, I know Spockter, if you see this potential future too, where everybody's just so strapped into the VR headset and they're being uh, like, they have like a tube that's up their butt and like a tube that's attached to their uh, uh, urethral area or whatever. And they're just mm -hmm. lying in this vat, in this pod. And that's uh, their life. They're like the, they're yeah. like the matrix. That's a very, people. Uh, that's a very primal thing of what I'm envisioning. As a, as a computational engineer, I see a lot more potential for something a lot less messy. Mm. Um, messy um, isn't the although, whole point to get rid of the mess. Like you got the tube and it gets rid of the mess. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, in a way, so like there's, yeah. there's been like recent discussions and like the sort of AI uh, computer kind of discussion where it's like, um, they want to explore the concept of uploading an entire human brain into a machine. Um, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like moving the brain. The person will still die, but who they are and everything they represent is basically copied into a machine. Um, and this is only a theoretical concept, but it's something we're getting very close to like almost cracking the key to. Um, just kind of like uploading consciousness into a computer and then when we're able to kind of boot up what who that person was when they lived in the real like real world so basically immortality in a sense that it's a computer but it's it's still not them it's just a copy it's like a clone but, but it's, then, it's a fascinating but then it's, concept it's fascinating but it's also very scary because that's not going to be your actual consciousness i mean that's the yes, ultimate it's not. riddle like what exactly is consciousness? So when you have, can you move yeah. the stream of consciousness? Is the next question after that? <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't know what consciousness is yet, so it just I, seems like yeah, such a don't. broad, such a broad leap. Yet people are already thinking about that. My concern there is, what if people decide to just uh, take a shortcut and say, you know what? I don't know what consciousness is, but here's your grandmother. You know, like we've copied all the information about her into this robot and this is going to be your grandmother from now on. And guess what? This is also like a sex bot. So it's like your digital girlfriend. It could <laughs> oh, be your fuck. grandmother. It could be your mother. It could be your father. Yeah, it could be that's, whatever. That's, that's definitely whatever you a concern. Want. Exactly. No, but the, yeah. yeah, but the point is. is There's that, ethical questions, yeah. of, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as far as people considering that to be a human being, that's the other kind of doom and gloom concern that people have of the definition of what a human being is being chipped away at. And I know, Saturnalia, if you've read or are familiar with any of these more doomer-minded prophecies as far as what humanity is going to go through. So let me know like, if you have anything within that. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, you, you see this, you know, there's a terrible fear of... Um... You know, particularly among like people who are afraid of like the Great Reset or something like that, that um, we'll all be, you know, basically herded into pens, be kept alive on this sort of palliative care of, um, you know, virtual reality and the soy packet bug food um, and basically be farmed for our, you know, input value to this computer system. Um, and I, I'm not necessarily saying that people don't want that to happen. I think that a lot of really kind of sinister people do. Um, I'm just sort of more on the techno skeptic side of things and like, no, no offense to, you know, you're an engineer working on this stuff. I kind of think that, um, you know, modern humanity has kind of overstepped our actual technological capabilities. I think that saying that we're going to upload a human consciousness and have it, you know, work as an AI, that's kind of like a caveman saying we're going to fly to the moon. 
which is not to say that, you know, it could never happen, but uh, I, I re remain skeptical as to how much that's actually going to be possible within our lifetimes. Well, I mean, there's always room for skepticism, but it, mapping it out has, is, in my eyes, is very possible. But that's probably because of the background that I have. Yeah. Well, the, the brain could be mapped out, but the question is, what exactly is the source of the signal? Because we can, from what I understand, and I'm no brain scientist, but from what I understand, there are various electric, uh, <laughs> there are various electric uh, connections between synapses. But as far as what exactly those are, we're not able to detect, from what I understand, the actual uh, source. We're not able to detect what is the thing that is creating these images that the mind perceives. What is it that is directing our willpower and attention? Like we have different, mm -hmm. we have different things we can look at. For example, how certain drugs, certain inebriated states cause certain reactions, cause a delay in the brain. We also have the ability to separate the brain where one side does not really perceive what the other side is perceiving. But the actual act of perceiving something that is, I mean, that's also a very uh, big question within Buddhism, where I'm reading this book right now called Mastering the uh, Mastering the Steps of the Buddha or something like that. I'll, I'll give you the right title. But anyway, okay. oh, Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha. That's it. And in this uh, book, they talk a lot about being able to have these notations where you sit, you breathe, you stare, you end up you end up feeling certain sensations and noting them down. So within one second, very trained people would be able to note down like 20 different sensations that they would experience just in one second. All right? And mm -hmm. we barely, like the way that we are right now with the internet, we barely have an opportunity to uh, be aware of what exactly our breath is doing or our heart is doing if we're paying attention to the screen, right? Because the brain mm -hmm. can only pay attention to one thing at a time. So with the Buddhists, their whole approach is, let's start paying attention to what's happening. And that's another misconception that people have about meditation. They think that meditation is just like relaxing and falling asleep or whatever. Meanwhile, it's like the opposite. In meditation, you end up paying a lot of attention to basically everything that you're experiencing just like mm -hmm. being aware like this is what's happening right now and from what i understand what's supposed to happen is people go into these states that they describe as being jhanas there's like the first jhana second jhana third jhana and so on and so forth and each jhana brings different experience so for example there is a period called the rising and passing away which people attribute a lot of the kundalini experiences towards kundalini being like this energy that people feel in their spine going up and down and twisting all around as well as various visual phenomena where people would be able to go into these altered almost like psychedelic states without any uh, use of drugs and then people end up going into other states like the dark night of the soul where they experience like uh, they face their shadow self you could say they face all of their inadequacies all of the problems that have accumulated in in their life and they're able to face them and afterwards they go into the state of equanimity and other such states until they finally reach the state of uh, fruition or as you know it's also known enlightenment where you're supposed mm -hmm. to get into this state of understanding what reality actually is 
and experiencing a sense of timelessness. Uh, people refer to that as samadhi. They refer to it also as all kinds of things, but it's not something that stops either. So from what I've read in the book, once you get into that state, it's not a matter of saying, well, now I'm going to drop all the exercises. I'm good. I'm enlightened. No, what ends up happening is like a repeat, like a kind of like a new game plus, if you will, for all the gamers in the audience, where now you get to go through all of those cycles again. And as the book describes, people end up going through these cycles incredibly fast now like you can go through mm -hmm. all of these cycles like in one day and it continues like day after day like it never stops and you're constantly growing and you're constantly becoming more aware so the reason why i'm saying this well first of all i forgot why i was saying this but the reason why i'm saying this if i can give a reason right now is i think this offers people another way out of the snake eating its own tail mm -hmm. problem that a lot of people find themselves in and my slowing other, down yeah yeah exactly being able to slow down being able to turn off the computer and utilize these skills to be able to remember what's going on i mean ideally i don't know if this is possible or not but another thing people talk about this again warning this goes into woo territory but another pe thing people talk about is that a certain level you would be able to recall your past lives you would be able to recall uh various abilities that you did not know that you have and mm -hmm. again this is super woo i know that coming from your background this is like super fringe and i completely get it i have not experienced yeah I, I i enjoy this that kind of stuff though i like delving into that those thought processes because to me technology is a tool that's how i develop it and that's how i see it um i i i, I don't really uh indulge myself in it extremely i i think of it as something that's very fascinating and something that i just happen to understand very well <laughs> so it, it is it is very uh it is very fun to look into and develop and work with and then find and test the limits mm. of what's possible with a system or what's possible in technological theory which is why i like even even if we were to test the limits of what's possible i still think it would you it would be very fascinating but this uh, is uh, probably the thing that's uh, worth testing out when you start these exercises that you've actually helped me remember what the initial point was. Which it was. Is, yes. Yeah. The, uh, the whole stream of consciousness into a computer thing. We yes. Yes. Which is being able to know what the self is. Because according to the Buddhists, there is no self. The self is an illusion. And once you start figuring out that all of your five senses are just going off on their six senses rather so they count the uh like the mind like the thoughts that you have in your mind i am not my thoughts the thoughts are also like the separate thing that's away from me but then the question still remains what is this thing that is experiencing all of these different senses because you could say mm -hmm. okay the senses they're just operating on their own but what exactly is the experiencer of the senses? Because I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing, uh, right? Like, there is still, like, the separation. So what exactly is that? What is this entity that is experiencing this? I don't know. Like, Saturnalia, do you have any thoughts on what exactly the experiencer is? Oh, well, yeah, I do. Um, I, I think that, um, look, I, I, I don't think that the self is the brain. I, I think that saying that... Um, 
that you are your is brain either. is is a bit like saying that you know your computer is the internet right like where, where is the internet is it in your gpu is it in your ram no it, it it's not in inside your computer it's a you know a uh, collect it's a collective collectively perceived and imagined thing outside of all of that and i think that the self um the idea that you're going to be able to replicate through technology a truly living being a truly self-perceiving being um is not the case it's, it's like saying that you know you're going to be able to build a computer powerful enough that it is the internet itself i, I don't think that's going to happen um, although maybe you're going to be able to create one that can convincingly tell people that it's self-aware you're going to be able to create something that you know it has yes you know an algorithm or like a learning thing that it could even uh, trick people into thinking it's self-aware as we saw with yeah the, uh, in Google, in my eyes uh, technology will never be like self-aware it is always designed that's that but that's just kind of my scope of it and understanding of it but <clears> as far <throat> as what exactly is this self apart from the brain or do you agree with the buddhists that the self is an illusion that the self doesn't really exist that is just i do not i yeah i don't think the self is a thing i believe it is it is if if you could get rid of the self you would get rid of a lot of problems a lot of humans have with you know mental problems i know that for a fact a lot of mental illnesses root from the self um and it, it roots from this idea of the self and i uh it's 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 i'm like wrapping my brain around it because there's there's just there's so much around the self that's just so much to unpack <laughs> but like if you can find a way to just like let go of yourself and see like what more there is then it's it's a lot easier to walk around and enjoy the enjoy the life around you <laughs> definitely yeah. and uh saturnalia do you agree uh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I don't think the self is needed because I don't think it's really a physical necessity in a way. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess it's not a physical necessity of something that like looks and acts like a human, but I, I think yeah, that it's yeah. a, a, a fragment of something outside. Let's put it that way. That's a better way to put it. I really can't word myself too well. <laughs> By the way, the whole uh, copying grandma or mom's personality into a sex robot, that's going to be Chris Chan's future. So once Chris Chan goes out of jail, uh, it'll probably be around the time that the sex robots are going to be perfected. So oh my God. that's going to be that's going to be the I'm not saying good future, but maybe he'll just be uh, kept in some kind of a enclosure you know, just with the sex bot and that's it. Or put on the VR goggles and just go to Quickville already. I don't know. Whichever one of those. VR Asylum. That sounds kind of nightmarish. That sounds not good. <laughs> I mean, that, that could be... Think about it this way. That could be like a future for prisoners where instead of spending time and money to keep people in uh, jail, they could just experience... <laughs> they could just experience, you know, like this version of like a hellish existence where they'll repent oh for God. all their wrongdoing in the VR chamber. No, put me on mm -hmm. Rikers Island. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, well, hey, that, yeah. that would make it... That would make a, the... Uh square footage of uh, prisons a lot easier to manage you know <laughs> take up less space put more inmates in one combined space you know matrix at it yeah exactly just beat now uh the last thing that i wanted to ask you guys because the topic was originally identity and how people form identity and all that going back to that for a second 
what do you make out of some of the avatars that people use today? For example, I've noticing that not only, but a good portion of people who are more, let's say, on the reactionary right, they use a combination of anime avatars and uh, like avatars of like Greek, yeah, Greek statues, exactly. I mean, the Greek statues, that's much easier to understand. They want to pay homage to what they consider to be like the uh, best example of, uh, you know, like... Um, High culture, old yeah, culture. Yeah, 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 exactly. But as far as the anime stuff, especially like with the chibi eyes and all that, what do you make out of that? And also, even though this phenomenon, I think it's much less prevalent than it is today, what do you make out of My Little Pony? And why is it that that specific <laughs> franchise had so much of a resonance with a lot of young men? Well, the, the anime avatar, I think, is easy enough to understand as well. It's um, a, a signaling that they exist outside of the social dogma of, like, normiedom, right? Like, you see, um, you know, anime avatars, and a lot of times they tend to do and say things that, you know, uh, could be perceived as, like, very antisocial or very extreme or weird or perverse. Um, and th there's a signaling that goes along with the anime avatar that, you know, look, anime is a thing for or at least it used to be for for nerds it's for weird weird guys in their basement with strange you know sexual things and there's a, it's very interesting to me that people would choose to self-identify with that as a reaction against what they perceive as this very like sterile very you know um dumbed down mainstream culture <laughs> um the my little pony thing i have no idea dude um i yes I really Potter, were you were you around for that um i mean i've I I am actively involved in seeing people that are into that. I mean, in the community I'm in. Um I'm not I've never watched it myself. Um I think there is I think it might just root back to um have you guys ever watched the show at all out of curiosity? Um, I've like I watched one a couple episode. episodes when it came out in 2011 when I was a kid. Yeah, I think I only I, watched a clip like with uh, that big red pony, the cowboy pony, whatever his name is, who's the friend of Applejack. But also I was very into, uh, what's his name, uh, Hot Diggity Demons uh, animations. Mm, if you know okay. the ones I'm talking about. Like he did like the My Little Pony parodies. But anyway, uh, yeah, the, like... The, the mm -hmm. people I've asked about it who are like uh, grown adults and like that why they like the show and stuff... Um, Typically, it, it, it derives more along the lines of, like, um, well, one, I mean, apparently it is a show that adults can enjoy. You know, similar to how SpongeBob used to be a show adults could also enjoy um, while watching, while the kids are watching it. But um, I kind of recall what I've, what I've been told. I, th I think it has just something to do with sort of the the sense of, personality and community that it has i think they're able to find some sort of sense of relatability with the characters and because they're not at like super humanoid they can build this allegory attachment to them and they they uh just find themselves drawn to it <laughs> hmm. well a comment you know, over here from like when i read george oh, orwell's animal farm i, I felt my, i found myself really liking a lot of the characters and really hating some of the others hmm. even though they were literal caricatures of at the time living you know breathing people <laughs> like the uh like the pigs for instance and uh mm -hmm. jay 
has a comment here. Autistic culture is very prominent of internet culture, considering ASPs run the web server, hyper obsessions, lack of identity, in which cutie marks help them. So that's another interesting oh, that thing. That is another thing, yeah. Yeah. That is like, another thing. When you have something, there was a great video that I saw from Millennial Thinker. I don't know if you guys are familiar with his work. He does these uh, YouTube videos where he uses AI generated audio. So, you know, like text to audio with uh, these animated Wojaks. So it would be like the regular Wojak and like, I don't know, like uh, Boomer Wojak, uh, Zoomer Wojak, and so on. And one was about actually uh, furries. And in that one, though, the furry originally, the guy who was the furry, when he was looking at girls, first he was seeing those girls as like the regular Wojak girls, but then he saw them as like these anime girls with the big eyes, like just like in front of him, they started transforming. And one of the complaints that he had with the girls that he was meeting in real life was that there's a lot more complexity there why can't it be easy to understand what somebody's emotion is if they just like in an anime have like the blushing lines or like you know do or, or have like the teardrop or whatever display things in such a way that everything can be very easily understood where we're actually standing so it's like a simplification and categorization of the world into I guess identities, which is what the name of this particular stream is, right? Like oh, yeah. very, very rigidly categorized or identities by by like color and outward appearance too. Like all the um, they're very fixed personalities, right? Like you know how they're going to react at all times, exactly based on their um, you know preliminary characterization. So that's probably comforting to them. Same thing with um, Chris Chan and Sonic the Hedgehog, right? That you know the the blue one is fast, the red one is angry and likes to fight, you know stuff like that. This may be a controversial take, but do you think that this tendency is a sign of, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is it a sign of a certain amount of societal devolution in the sense that if we're living in more of a primitive setting, we also look for certain markers to like friend, foe, uh, you know, like you have to have like this, these kind of feathers around you and that indicates that you are like an ally or you have to have i mean it's something that's common for all cultures don't get me wrong but is there something a little bit more and i don't want to misuse this word but it would you say that that is going further away from subtlety and into more of a kind of neo-primitivism but online oh yeah exactly i mean i mean it's um you, you know like uh oh man <laughs> completely forgot what I was about to say, but yeah, there, there's, uh, it, it simplifies down the complexities of real life into something that can be more mm -hmm. easily lumped into very rigid categories. Like, you know, the, the bad guy, it has like you sinister, like, like um, blue hair or something like the, uh, I forget what the bad pony is. The good one is of course, this like gleaming white, you know, perfect creature. Um, you know, the, the fashion one wears like eyeshadow and has like purple hair and you know how People she's going to find comfort in simplicity. Yeah. Mm. And Jay um, says, uh, dash S after a sentence when being sarcastic is a good example of that. So, you oh, know, that's true. Yeah. Eliminating the ambiguity of what you could yeah. be saying. I yeah. think, well, yeah, I, I think, um, especially nowadays, people are striving for simplicity more than I've ever seen. 
uh they it seems like people don't want to live in a in, in a too complex world um even though the world itself is going to be complex and it, it is getting more complex especially now with you know the internet actually <laughs> and so, f and the far says back to that over here, if you want to understand why the West is collapsing, read the Promethean Right, why the right is losing the battle of ideas. Every patriot needs to read this book. I have no idea if this has to do with Georgiani or not, because Georgiani's all about Prometheanism. But again, my concern with a lot of the more reactionary elements to that is they're also in a hive mind of their own, where mm -hmm. I've experienced a lot of this, where you have people who, especially right now with the whole war in Ukraine, are on the side of uh, man loves bringing Ukraine into this again. God damn it! Some of the people are saying right now, I don't care. Fuck it. Uh, the people who are on the side of reacting to a lot of these negative elements that they see in society are also on the side of Russia, which they falsely see as being this messianic figure that's going to bring back traditionalism and all that to the world, which is a farce because Russia is like one of the least traditional places as far as divorces, as far as abortions go, as far as like all the stuff that they're dealing with there. It's total illusion that people have, which has nothing to do with reality there. But the idea is still like people long for there to be some kind of a dictatorship to fix a lot of problems and to kind of force people into acting a certain way where they would see it, for example, like you were saying that horrible story about your friend who lost her father, their reaction would be, well, you know what, let's make a society where everybody's always going to be on edge. So they're going to experience this similar kind of like enforced by the state need to act a certain way. The mm -hmm. big problem, other than it just being morally degrading because of the things that people end up getting away with as far as their abuse on people goes beyond even that once you have a dictator that's in place they are going to surround themselves by people who are going to reinforce whatever bullshit they uh, want to hear so it's not going to be an effective system for a long time and for the people who are talking about well china's been effective for a long time it's different because you have a uh, entity in there um, now, Xi Jinping, who was reversing the process that was going on earlier with Deng Xiaoping, who was somebody that actually stepped back and let the people and the free markets operate to a pretty good extent, where there was a lot more freedom that people were experiencing, where people got to be a lot more uh, self-determining, while now you have much more of this... Uh, from the top down approach which i think is only going to intensify corruption and look like all the executions and all the threats to people's lives that uh, the chinese government puts out in an attempt to stem corruption it doesn't seem to work you'd think that that would work right like you'd think that having enough people being executed for corruption would stop corruption but corruption is still going on so you know like it's it's not a system that i see as working the way that a lot of the trads imagine it working. So even regardless of the moral stuff, I want to throw that in as well. But the only problem, which is, again, a problem that BTR has been addressing in its own way, is that they're also in a bubble, and they're usually going to speak to people who are not going to bring that side of it up. They're only going to speak to people who are going to repeat the things that they want to hear, or else you're going to be the odd man out, 
and you're not going to have as many friends around you because, well, why would they want to hear something that makes them feel uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I don't know. That's, uh, that's my take on the situation on the right and on the left. I'm sure there's a similar thing. Out of curiosity, by the way, Spockter, I know that yes. you're apolitical as far as like how you uh, do the show uh, and all that, but where would you say your audience leans politically out of curiosity? Left. Absolutely left. Really? And why I can say, would, like, I yeah. didn't even skip a beat. They <laughs> lean left. I know they lean left. <laughs> now, why would you think that is the case? Um, because, well, because a large majority of my, of my fan base is in art, animation, uh, furry, and a lot of those uh, communities have very distinct parallels with the the left-leaning politics and uh being like a little girl who keeps asking daddy why is the sky blue why do you think that is it's probably because of uh the content that i that i that i had been making for a long time um the the character that i have it's colorful uh it's chippy i'm goofy i talk about like um topics that a lot of um that community is interested in, um, but I, I take I, I try to take a more neutral standpoint. Although there 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 is a decent mix, but overall a large chunk is on the left. <clears throat> how, do how do you define how do you define left? How would you define um, left? Like 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 likes like uh, voting blue versus voting red i would call that left or right in a way well what are some left values you'd say um you know the the current with the current social climate like you know trans rights the whole black lives matter the um uh you know that spectrum and then in the more economical standpoint people who are more like more on a socialist end of things um, versus the capitalist end of things, people who are like, uh, screw the one percent. You know that that I would I would consider those left leaning people. Uh, so okay, so so it comes down to, well, before I go uh, Saturnalia, how would you define left? Would you agree with uh, Spockter's definition? Um, it's very broad I don't know. I, I think one um, one thing I do think is that the qualifications of being right or left um, that were basically fixed for the last 50 years um, are going to change quite a bit currently and in the next 10 or 20 years. Um, just like you were saying with um, China and Russia and stuff, there's the world is undergoing like a geopolitical reorientation where the previous you know, economic relationships were Europe and Russia very close trading gas for manufactured goods and America and China trading um, food and coal for manufactured goods and technology. Um, and now with the, the breakout of the war, you can read um, Zoltan Pajshar, um, a great financial author. He says that the world is undergoing a change from this Europe, Russia, and China, America paradigm to a truly multipolar, much more isolated world of um, Russia being drawn into China's economic influence and Europe basically becoming a... Uh, like an ancillary vestigial organ to the American empire. Now, the consequence of that is that you have these sort of surreal realignments where you have, you know, people who are very, very far right actually supporting, you know, the Chinese communist party, 
or you have um, people who you know consider themselves leftists, call themselves you know socialist communists, who are you know basically diehard supporters of st- uh, admittedly capitalist America, right? So the the um, oh yeah. Ba- Basically, the, the the true distinction going forward, I think, is not going to be left or right. It's going to be um, which uh, geopolitical sphere of influence you want to fall into and whether or not you are pro or anti-America. It's going to be the the defining trait of the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a political scientist. I don't know a lot. That's why I choose to be apolitical and publicly in my content. <laughs> now... As far as what uh, Uncle Ted, Ted Kaczynski, says about leftism, since we started with him, I might as well finish with him. And again, for the people in your audience th- that may not be as popular, too, it's all right. I love all people. I love uh, all the leftist people and the right people, as long as you agree not to hurt other people, not to force people oh, to absolutely. do something against their I will. That. What uh, Ted Kaczynski says here is... We have portrayed leftism in its modern form as a phenomenon peculiar to our time and as a symptom of the disruption of the power process. But we might, uh, but might possibly be wrong about this. Over-socialized types who try to satisfy their drive for power by imposing their morality on everyone have certainly been around for a long time. But we think that the decisive role played by feelings of inferiority, low self-esteem, powerlessness, identification with victims by people who are not themselves victims is a peculiarity of modern leftism. Identification with victims by people not themselves victims can be seen to some extent in 19th century leftism and early Christianity, but as far as we can make out symptoms of low self-esteem, etc., were not nearly so evident in these movements or any other movements as they are in modern leftism. We are, uh, but we are not in a position to assert confidently that no such movements have existed prior to modern leftism. This is a significant question to which historians ought to give their attention. So anyway, the point from what I understand that he's trying to get at here is that people who are on the left, they have a utopian notion of how the world should be, which I think is the same thing for people on the far right as well. They want yeah. to impose a certain kind of life that people should live in. But in a way, I think more people on the left see it as being almost religious in the sense of wanting to flay oneself, wanting to hurt oneself for the sake of helping other people that they see as being less fortunate, which, at least to me, seems very egotistical. Like, I don't want to use that term, um, in, you know, like uh, flippantly here, but the idea is that if you put yourself in the position where you're trying to become a hero, where you're trying to be like a Jesus Christ figure, where you say, you know what, I am going to do such a good thing for everybody else, and I'm going to be so passionate to it, and I'm going to force people to be this way because this is the right way, it feels like even if you're doing something that's depriving yourself of dignity or whether you know you're saying like oh i am ashamed of who i am my culture whatever it feels like there is a lot of self-gratification in that action which Mm -hmm. may look to somebody as just being an expression of oh look at how noble they are you know they don't they don't care at all about themselves or their you know but it 
it's been repeated throughout yeah it's been repeated throughout history that that it's just like the sense of wanting to grasp at any kind of recognition any kind of gratification where everybody else feels like you are doing the right thing and again i'm not excluding the far right here i think that they are in exactly the same boat when it comes to it just with different priorities their priorities would just be oriented less towards people that they see as being persecuted uh, uh you know historically as being well, whatever but the point is that i do believe in there being like this um this uh what do you call it the magnet theory the uh well what is it saturnalia sorry the magnet theory i, I don't uh, the, know the uh that. You know, like the uh, the horseshoe theory. The horseshoe right? theory. Okay. Yes. 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 Because magnets are like a horseshoe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So in the horseshoe theory, where they end up meeting, I know people tend to besmirch that theory, but I think it is very, uh, to quote the modern lingo, very heckin' valid to assume that anybody who thinks that they're on the right side of history and forces others to act in a certain way, especially if they get some kind of validation from doing that 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 is a recipe for disaster. But the only thing to any of the left-leaning people that may be listening right now is, uh, that I would say is, I think liberty is a very good thing. I think the idea of being liberal, being somebody who is for people experimenting, figuring out different ways of doing things, different ways of existing, that there is nothing wrong with that, and that should be a healthy mm -hmm. thing that is encouraged. I mean, that is kind of why for all the uh you know nitpickings i may have about well these you know like the furry community they inflate too much or they uh, they uh make their suits too colorful and it's like it's whatever it's like i don't care at the end of the day what people choose to do with the time that they have as long as they don't hurt others but that is also something that too many people say while their towns end up being ruined, why while education becomes neglected, I don't think that's a good position either to hold for building a civilization just by itself. Because if we're just sitting around all day and being extremely tolerant of everything that's happening, then at a certain point, civilization will start to break down, right? Like you still need to borrow something from more of a right-leaning uh, idea, you do need to have some order. You do need to have a hierarchy of people that instill a certain amount of uh, values in people as opposed to just everybody doing their own thing, right? Yeah. Do you have a <clears throat> poster of Karl Popper up on your wall, Lev? Not anymore. I got uh, the closest thing. I got King Kai over here, who I consider to be... You know, kind of like Karl Popper, I guess, right? It's kind of similar. <laughs> everybody, lo yeah, everybody loves King Kai uh, from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's my position, at least for uh, people who are listening to this, who uh, might want to consider, like, if you do want to do a good thing and not just doing it for the sake of appearances on TikTok or whatever, but actually want to help out, try to find out as much as you can about uh, consequences for anything that you do. Like, I really like that quote from Thomas Sowell, somebody else who, uh, whose poster I should put up if I had the opportunity to back there. Thomas Sowell says, uh, how does that quote go? There's, there's no ideal, there's only uh, trade-offs. So I'm butchering that quote, but the idea is that there's always going to be a trade-off of one thing for another in any kind of s scenario you want to live in. There's always going to be somebody that's going to get the uh, raw end of the stick. Like, think of when cars came about, all the horse and buggy corporations, you know, they had to go under. So, 
you're going to have to trade off some bit of comfort for liberty as well as you're going to trade off some liberty for a certain amount of comfort. And to have like this ideal notion of, well, everything's going to be completely equal, I don't see that working out either. But anyway, I have ranted too much. I want to get final thoughts from you guys. And once again, I really appreciate Spockter for the first time being here. Spockter, oh, no you are very, uh, very entertaining to speak with, uh, very inquisitive <laughs> mind, and you do a lot of wonderful work on uh, YouTube keep doing it and uh we got saturnalia sundown always glad to have you on board man i hope that uh, next time when you come with the webcam you'll show off your beautiful pussy cat whoa what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> oh my god i was like half tuned in <laughs> i've shown my cat on stream before i, I think you yeah yeah the, the, the creature. Our, our buddy lev here put a nice pause in between the two words i had threw to me do off it guard. i was, had to that do was, it that was <laughs> like what the what the heck <laughs> all right so any any final thoughts about the conversation about identity as well as anything you guys would want to plug now is the time uh, take care of yourself <laughs> saturnalia sure, yeah. yeah sure and lev one day i'm going to talk to you about karl popper and how much i don't like him and the lineage of his thought but uh, we can leave that one for now that's okay <laughs> I, lo I look i very much look forward to that and uh, anything you guys would want to promote um, um just my twitter page um you can know. go on there and read old stuff that i wrote <laughs> maybe i'll write something again one day yes i mean all, all i mm -hmm. all i got's my youtube <laughs> Everybody, listen up and listen good. Follow Saturnalia Sundown on Twitter at twitter.com slash, I don't need to say that, whatever, uh, Saturnalia Sund, S-U-N-D, one, on Twitter, and follow Spocktor on Twitter at Spocktor Tech. Everybody, yeah. follow Spocktor on Twitter right now. He has a beautiful uh, thumbnail as well as a, uh, th uh, the banner image there of this uh well your lizard guy with the big neck it seems like a very rubbery neck like you could just like uh, yeah. move, move it around and and his dragon I mean, actually, yeah have you ever touched a lizard neck it's actually very much like that you can very huh. much move a lizard neck around like that there's a lot of slack to it <laughs> interesting i've touched i've touched a uh, ostrich neck while it had a lot of uh water in it and it felt like i was holding like a sack of water you know <laughs> like it's, oh, it was pretty geez pretty interesting that's, yeah that is interesting yeah that's in aruba if you ever go on vacation to aruba uh you could uh stay there and go to the ostrich farm and eat an ostrich burger it's uh, good stuff and uh Ooh, anyway yum. yes anyway uh who's your blue friend by the way the uh, blue dragon again like you're uh that is, right next to you tech. that's also me that's I have, also I just you have two characters yes nice is it like a piccolo from dragon ball situation where they're like split into uh like there was originally one who was like a like a blue purple uh so like like a blue so, i mean color. actually sort of in a way yeah <laughs> interesting okay yeah, I, maybe... I started off with just just spockter and then i threw tech into the mix and so now they're just kind of like two separate um, representations of my personality yeah, maybe they could do like a uh, like one of those um, uh, fusion dances and combine into one uh, dragon. Oh, oh, God. What would that even look like? 
well, it would probably be blue-green. He would have, like, smaller spikes, but he would definitely be fatter. Speaking of which, I want to see that game Tribal Hunter. I don't play video games, but for all the furries and scalies who are watching this right now, I saw this amazing oh video God. by... Wait, Spock, did you, did you have a chance to take a look at that video? Oh, no, I didn't. I should. Oh man, Tribal right after yeah, right after this stream is over. In fact, right after we conclude, if yeah, you're I'll still here, up. if you're still here, I want to hear your reaction to it. But I guess that will be like off stream. Gotcha. I, I really want to hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, guys, yeah, yeah. thank you so much for watching. Follow me on Twitter at Leftpo if you're interested in all the crazy dreams that I have, where I combine like uh, apocalyptic scenarios with eating my favorite uh, dessert, which is like these chocolate. I dreamt of these white chocolate chips, uh, like chips, not like chocolate chips, like chocolate chip cookies, but like chips. You know, like crispy chips that are covered in this white uh, French, like fromage uh cream creamy cheese and this is from this japanese company called royce the reason they're called royce is because they're like the rolls royce of confectionery they are amazing like these chips once you eat them it's like tasting into pure heaven so i had a dream of those chips that i ate after i was driving the car and then i was like exploring a cathedral and everything it was awesome oh and one last thing about the dream i forgot this is totally amazing so when i wanted to meet this particular gal in that dream that i saw a little bit before I had to go through the cathedral entrance and there were these nuns there and they had like a dark purple hair and they were wearing like a like a dark purple uniform or something or they had like pinkish hair and I called them sisters. So I said like, hey sister, can you help me like uh, get back up there? And she led the way. She led me into this quiet room which was actually this, it wasn't a quiet, it was a dark room. She led me into a dark room which was a movie theater and before the movie started, there was a hologram of Will Smith that was doing some kind of, uh, you know, like how in the beginning of a movie, they like do some, you know, advertising bullshit. That's what the Will Smith hologram was doing. And as I was leaving that room to go to another room, I basically berated the audience saying, why are you watching this stupid Will Smith hologram? And they were like, you know, I don't remember what, exactly what they said, but they were like, fuck you, Lev. Like, why don't you leave us alone? <laughs> It was a very interesting experience. So uh, when I woke up from that dream, I was like, man, that was a good dream. You know, that was like it had everything. So anyway, follow me on Twitter. I'm going to write more about the dreams at LovePo. I'm going to post it on Twitter as well for all of you guys who can uh, click on stuff. And of course, if you enjoyed today's performance, subscribe to Break the Rules right now breaktherules.tv that's how you can just like type it in to go into youtube smash the subscribe button smash Bang. the like button smash Bang. the bell make sure you click that bell because that bell is extremely important to get updated of the next btr appearances uh lev where do you find this stuff and say this outlandish i don't even man that's a comment from d alcero well look I can't help it. These are the dreams that I have. I don't know what I'm going to dream about. You never know. It's always a roller coaster right. ride. One day I'll dream about like a, like a Will Smith hologram. The other time I'll dream about uh, who knows what. You know, I'll dream about 
uh, f- flying around while airplanes are falling down to the sky. I can dream about uh, I was in the car where the previous passenger was stabbed as part of a gangland hit. There were some scissors I kept for myself. I rode through a police barrier around the FDR highway and was then in around Chief's Head Bay. That's where I used to live, which was very green and lush. I was riding through it on the back of a bicycle. I went to the old house and uh, I recall... Uh, this this girl who I know from real life, she was living further north in the building. There were oranges I was eating, looking for a new room in the basement room. Uh, there was a cave tower with a basement area just under the tower base. Uh, and then I saw a koala, and I saw a bear with a wombat, which later assumed human consciousness, and I walked with them as they launched an explosion of another side of the facility I was in. So there we go. I have dreams like that, so... There we go. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate it. Go to the Discord, by the way, right now. Join the BTR Discord for all the people who are watching this. I know some of you are on Discords already, so go to the BTR Discord. Uh, we could talk later on. I travel to farms a lot, so you can go experience me buying raw milk in the local farm on the North Fork and uh, have those kind of great experiences. <laughs> so anyway, talk to you guys soon. Have a good night. 